Welcome to Reality with the King. It's me, Carlos King, the king of reality TV and one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television with over 10 years of production experience. So today's topic is exploring conversations that I've been seeing on social media as it relates to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Between Erica Jane telling Garcelle's son to get the fuck out of here, to Lisa Renna's problematic tweets, to the ultimate gaslighting that I've been seeing on this episode, I wanted to dedicate this episode to a larger conversation about the state of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Garcelle being a part of this franchise. So I knew I could not do this alone. So I wanted to bring on someone who has an experience being a reality star, but she's also a Haitian-American, like Garcelle, a Black woman. She has a very interesting take about what she's been seeing in these past couple of episodes as it relates to Garcelle and the rest of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills cast. Her name is Jessie Wu, and she is super hilarious. She's super honest and super insightful. This is probably the most in-depth conversation that I've had on the podcast since Ebony K. Williams, where we do talk about very sensitive subjects But my hope is that when you listen to this, you can walk away with a greater understanding of the reason why this was important to me and hopefully to you. We know that Garcelle was cast on the show because obviously she represents being a Black woman in Hollywood. Yes. Being a Black woman in the zip code of 90210. Mm -hmm. And when Garcelle came on the show, I mean, listen... We were fans of her. She was fancy on the Jimmy Fox show. Garcelle is an icon in the Black community. So we were all very happy and thrilled when she was cast on the show. And she literally fit in like a glove. Like, yep. it, wasn't, it wasn't like Ebony K. Williams, who I felt was, was an oddball because those weren't her real friends. But Garcelle just fell in seamlessly. What are you thinking right now of Garcelle's presence on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Like you said, she's an icon in the Black community, but as a Haitian, like, she is, like, our vedette, which means our star. Like, she was, she's one of the first to ever do what she did as a Haitian, coming to America with nothing and being able to translate it into stardom. Like, that's not something that a lot of us Haitians see. Now, in this, in my generation, we're seeing more of it. Um, and so seeing her in Beverly Hills, especially was a big deal because we know that it is a predominantly white franchise. I think she's a class act. Now, I do think this particular season, Garcelle is working the girls. Garcelle is working. My sis don't really have a storyline like that. Her storyline is, let me go ahead and let me get these, let let me make y'all work for y'all coin this season. Cause y'all ain't been working. Let me make y'all work for y'all coin this season. Let me drop a little sauce. Let me drop a little pickles here and there. And let me spice things up. Let me confront certain things. And she has such a classy way of doing it yes. where you can't check her. Like, you're not going to check her. You know what I mean? Because she's being very 
honest. Um, she's respectful about it. So you have to address what she says, which is great. No, it's it's great. I agree with you. I mm -hmm. said for the longest time, Kyle Richards is the uncredited executive producer yes. of Beverly Hills. Kyle yes. puts the girls to work. He, does. he sits back. She watches them fight. She'll give you a leg split. She'll mm -hmm. give you a good a reaction shot. And she'll give you very much tears of, oh my God, like, what do you, what do you mean that happened? Right? What's been interesting is Garcelle Bouvet this season, I like to call the co-executive producer. Mm -hmm. She is definitely moving story forward, pushing story, making sure that the girls are held accountable. She's defending Sutton, who a lot of people think Sutton is a Karen. I don't think Sutton is a Karen. I think mm -hmm. Sutton is a Catherine, okay? So a Catherine is a white woman who comes from privilege. She behaves in a way where everything is very sensitive to her. I don't think she's a Karen, though. So instead of a Karen, I'll call her Catherine. I, I can kind of see what you're saying with Sutton. I think what I don't like about Sutton is, like you said, she comes from a, a, a background of privilege, and her strategy is, I, but I can relate to everything. I can relate to everything. If you say something to her, she's like, oh, but I too have experienced. Oh, oh, but I too have seen. But I too. Like, she's very much, I too. And it's like, bitch, you have not experienced what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, get the entire hell out of here. But she has a way of saying it too that you're like, oh, you know what? Okay, fine, girl. Like, I can't fight this lady. You know what I'm saying? So No, that's why to me she's a great supervising producer. So going back to Garcelle, because you was about to say something along the lines of there's things that's happening with Garcelle this season that you're not liking. So what are those things? I just, I really want to see Garcelle have a little more smoke. Because I feel that her time on the show, she, again, she keeps it very classy. And I think that she does that because she does not want the narrative of a mad, angry Black woman to fall over her. But these white women have been tugging at your slip for a minute now. Especially Lisa Renna, whose lips have been imported from the motherland. You got Dorito over there, too. And then now you have Kyle, like, gaslighting you like a motherfucker. Like, continuously. I just feel like I want to see her have a little more smoke. Just a little more smoke, because if the shoe was on the other foot for these ladies, these ladies know how to get their white woman cry on. They know how to... No, that's not what I meant. And no, oh my God. Like, they know. So you got to find a way to get your Black woman tears flowing too. With us, the thing with us is we don't really cry unless we want to beat somebody's ass. So we have to find a way to tap into that. Like, what is that thing? What? Where? Where is that space where Black women can have their Black women tears? I don't know what that would look like for her. Because there's been times when she's really been backed up and they've been able to really, like, make her seem like something is wrong with her. And there's nothing wrong with Garcelle. No, I have to agree with you on that. Because remember last season? Yeah. Garcelle had this very beautiful, vulnerable moment when Garcelle explained to her coworkers, I'm not going to call these women her friends. I don't think in real life Garcelle would ever hang with these women. So I'm not going to say her friends. I'll say her coworkers. What it was like as a Black woman, being the only Black woman in this white space, 
And she did it in a way, Jesse, that I felt like she had the tears, but it wasn't tears looking for sympathy. It was tears struggling for them to understand what it's like to be her. And I thought that was such a powerful moment for her. And for me, I know what that feels like Mm -hmm. because I was the first Black male executive producer of The Real Housewives. And when you are a Black person in a field of excellence, you are oftentimes the only in the room. And I felt in that moment, Garcelle spoke for her, but she also spoke for the likes of me. And I think I can say she spoke for the likes of you too. So going back to what you were saying about her comfortability of owning herself in this space, what do you think are the struggles Garcelle was going through? Because like you touched on before, Mm -hmm. she did say that she did not want to be the angry Black woman. Like, she was she was definitely not trying to be that. Because for my listeners, Amarosa Manigault was considered yeah. that for the longest time. Nene Lee. Tiffany Pollard was considered that for the longest time. Like, we've, we've seen white women or white men come forward and say certain things about where they work, what has happened, and they don't get that same backlash, even from their own community. But here's the thing, right, is that I'm at a point personally in my life where I'm not going to be fighting for white people to understand. What you will do is you will respect me, though. You won't respect me. And when I come in this bitch, there are certain things you will not say. There are certain tones you will not use. There are certain jokes you will not express. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And if you do those things, cameras or not, your teeth are liable to be on the floor. I don't care. Like, that's where I'm at with it. Because (laughs) the thing is, respectability politics is not working. And I think that Garcelle is trying to, in her own way, play the respectability card, kind of like, okay, as a Black woman, this is what it is for me. As a Black woman, when you say this, this is how it registers for me, right? How many times are we going to tell these women that? These women do not care. They do not care. They don't want to hear that. They're so used to existing in their world and not having to think about how they have to exist. They're so they're so used to living in their world and just being there. And what they say goes. Now here come your black ass, <laughs> who's barely, you're barely in the area code. You're barely here. And now you want to come tell me how to exist up in my shit. So that's why, like, for me personally, when I sometimes when I watch Garcelle do this, it's like, I understand, I understand. But sis, that is a fight. I can no longer fight. And especially as a Haitian American, we've seen Garcelle open up her door and give these white people banan, ziri, sospois, legumes, et et And then you're going to turn around and you're going to tell my son to get the fuck out of here. Now, and, 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 and that just be the end of that. Oh, no. Oh, no. We gonna, it's it's going to be 1804 part two up in this bitch. That's what it's going to be. Oh, no, but this is the reason why it was important for me to talk about this conversation, because to me, it's easy to tap into what the scenes are, right? But to me, I wanted to really talk about what's happening on that show as it relates to Garcelle. So you brought up Erica Jane in one of the most recent episodes, telling Garcelle's 14-year-old son to get the fuck out of here. I mean, listen, A, it was a level of disrespect, right? I mean, I think we all can agree Mm -hmm. to that. 
Um, we did see Garcelle go back and tell Erica yeah, she was wrong. Yeah. Look, I think if that was Sheree, it would have been handled differently. But again, Garcelle doesn't represent all Black people. Right. And I think that needs to be a big conversation of, we don't represent the culture of the community. We do represent ourselves. But as a viewer, because we were raised by Black women, we know that oftentimes Black mothers will go in if someone ever spoke to their child that way. And a lot of people felt that Garcelle let Erica off easily. Garcelle, even though Garcelle has held her feet to the fire, Garcelle has still shown her a lot of compassion. She really has shown her a, a level of compassion. And so drunk or not, drunk or not, those words should have never came out of Erica's mouth for anybody's child. But I cannot sit here and act like, I'm not going to sit here and, and give her the benefit of the doubt. That shit was racist as, as hell. It was racist. First of all, there was a comment that several of them kept saying about Garcelle's son. Oh, they're so well-behaved. They're so respectful. They're so well-behaved. Bitch, what are we talking about here? A dog? Erica said to Garcelle, before I yelled at her son, I complimented them and was saying how well-spoken they are. Why is that what you're pointing out? I've never heard any of them say that about anybody else's white child on that show. They're so well-spoken. I've never heard that. They're so well-behaved. Never heard that. Never heard that. So why are you saying that about a black child? Number two, let's go back to the whole, you know, the get the F out of here. I have never seen any of them remotely speak that way to any of their children on that franchise, ever. There have been times when someone has made a comment about like, you know, eating disorders or something like that. I think like with Rena's child, a daughter or something like that. Yes. But that was like, the, the, there was a conversation about that. So that was brought up. But this this little boy is literally coming to get flowers. It made absolutely no sense. And then you see Dorito, even Dorito, even her, she's trying to tell Erica, girl, what's going on, girl? That's her, that's her son. The baby came to get his flowers for his mama. Oh, he needs to get the fuck out. Like, no, 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 no. That was racist. Fast forward, then you have that scene with Kyle and, and uh, Dorito and their husbands where they're talking about it and Kyle said so did you hear about Erica saying to Garcelle's son to get the fuck out of here and she laughed like she thought it was funny she went on to say you know it's nice to see and I'm paraphrasing too it's nice to see Erica letting her hair down this is your definition of letting your hair somebody letting their hair down and then you see the men join in and say yeah Yes, I mean, she's old. She's old a moment like that. You know, she's been going through a lot. What is What exactly is she going through? And why are you guys okaying that? When I saw that moment, it made me go back to the whole Crystal thing, where Crystal said that Sutton said more in that conversation. And it was so easy for everybody to be like, no, she's lying. And Kyle's like, no, she's, she didn't say anything else. What else did she say? Now I'm looking at you, Kyle, like, nah, I think Sutton might have said something else. Because you don't register, because the compass that you use for things that are offensive, I can't trust it. So what you're saying is because Kyle swept Erica's disrespect under the rug as related to you talking about someone's son and Erica letting her hair down. Listen, what I can say to you guys is that's not the first time they've seen Erica behave that way, allegedly. So 
I'm friends with people in this business. What I can say to you guys, here's an exclusive. I've been told, allegedly, that Erica Jane acts like that all the time. Not maybe to someone's son, but to the producers. I've heard that Erica Jane is not the nicest when it comes to her treatment of the crew. And what's interesting is, going back to what you were saying, Jesse, about Kyle's behavior, I was so disturbed by Kyle's behavior in these past two episodes. Why are you overcompensating so much for something that is truly awful? Like, if someone spoke that way to your daughter, Portia, or you saw how Denise Richards freaked out because y'all were talking about sex around her children. For Kyle to low-key defend the behavior, and what you said is so interesting, she also kept trying to defend Crystal. Kyle definitely was trying to make sure that it wasn't a big deal, let's move on. So it does question whether or not Kyle was hiding something. Kyle does not want to understand Kyle's another one who does not want to understand. She doesn't want to hear what Garcelle or Crystal have to say. Like, even when the back and forth with her and Crystal, where Crystal was, like, telling her, you don't give me a space. It's not a safe place. It is not a safe place for Crystal. Crystal isn't totally innocent, but it's not a safe place for Crystal. Crystal has used the right verbiage. Now, Crystal, too, has a way of being condescending. She can be quite condescending. And, you know, that's a conversation to have. But... Crystal don't be exactly wrong when she says, nah, that's a violation. Like, it is a violation. If I don't, if I, if I'm not rocking with you like that, you can't just open up my room door and come in my room. And when she was saying that and everybody was kind of telling her, no, that's not, that was kind of, it was crazy to me as a viewer watching it. And even though I'm not a producer, but I've been on reality television and I can understand things a little different than what the viewer sees. I'm like, nah. There's clearly, like, a pact here with some of these women. It's like, these are the untouchables right here. These right here, we're the untouchables right here. And so if you try to break through that, you're on your own. You're on your own. Like, there's literally a pact there. And so that's why you see Garcelle and Sutton. And I really wish Crystal would have done a better job of allyship with Garcelle and Sutton. She really she really missed the ball with that. I could not agree with you more. When I look at the cast of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, Kyle runs the show, and everybody wants to be a part of Kyle's team, which is Dorit, Lisa Renna, and Erica. I think those women that I just named are the type of friends that Crystal hangs with. I think she definitely considers them the cool kids. Yes. And Crystal, to me, who's a social butterfly, she wants to add um, Kyle, Lisa Renna, Dory, and Erica to her roster. And I think when it comes to Garcelle and Sutton, in her mind, she doesn't see them as a top-tier group to want to be with. I think that's why she refuses to really go after them when they play with her in her face. Now... I think Garcelle suffers from that, too. I think Garcelle wants so much to be liked by those women. And in my opinion, when Garcelle told Lisa Renna at last season's reunion that she was told through a mutual friend that Lisa Renna said, Garcelle being on the show forces us to talk about race 
and this is not our show. We do not talk about race. And Lisa Renna, who is a soap opera digest actress, gave the performance of her career. When Lisa Renna carried herself over to the other couch, it was to shut Garcelle up before she could say anything further because she knew this could ruin my career, right? And I could be canceled. So when Lisa Renna showed her slip, when she tweeted, just because Garcelle is on the show doesn't mean everything is racist, I put two and two together because I know math. It equals four. And that four was for Garcelle and the audience to know we do not want to talk about race on this show. And we are afraid of having any disagreement with Garcelle. And I think they don't want Mm -hmm. Garcelle on the show. And they are not happy that Cherie, Garcelle's friend, is on the show. Because in their minds, they're thinking, what in the Real Housewives of Atlanta is going on with our show? They think that it's about to be the Nene gang. Like, (laughs) they think it's about to be... (laughs) Close your legs to marry me! Like, they really think that that's what it's about to be. And, And like you said earlier, right? Black women are not a monolith. So every Black person or every Black woman is not going to react the same way to certain situations as another one would. And especially, as you can see with the Cherie and, you know, Garcelle, these are 90210 Black women. There's a presence, a certain style, a certain behavioral pattern that they have, right? Now, I will say this is that Garcelle's here to get her corn. Garcelle is here to, you know, elevate her career. Garcelle is here to translate this into what else, whatever it's going to be. So if it's going to be a book, if it's going to be a podcast, if it's going to be a TV show, if it's going to be Lifetime movies, whatever it's going to be, Garcelle is here to translate it to that, okay? However, she knows that she has to somewhat play the game. You have to somewhat play the game because, like, this is an ensemble show, it is. That's how it is on reality television. It is an ensemble show. So you have to play the game. So I don't think that she necessarily wants to be liked by these girls. I think that she's playing the mm. game. I don't think that any of these girls, including Sutton, I don't care how many times Garcelle says, me and Sutton are cool, girl. Give me a give me a break. I could not agree with you more. Sutton does not want to be friends with Garcelle at all. She's like Crystal. She really wants to be amongst the cool girls. She really does. You know when I really saw it? <laughs> when her and Diana was going back and forth, that was so cringe to watch because that was not Sutton at all. You could tell Sutton went to YouTube and said, all right, let me, NeNe Leaks reads part one. NeNe Leaks, okay, what did she say? Let me tell you what Sutton watched. Sutton went to... The episode where Nene and Claudia Jordan was going back at. She's like, let me, okay, what is it? Okay, they got them when you got the coin. They got them when you got the coin. Okay. Are you are you suggesting, Jesse, that when Sutton and Diana had their one-on-one moment at Garcelle's birthday party, that Sutton went on YouTube and typed in the search engine, Nene Leaks reads, and she studied specifically the Puerto Rico episode, and she applied that to her conversation with Diana because, to your point, they both were ferocious for no reason. It was like somebody was in there, like, pulling strings. All of a sudden, it was like, 
Mimi and, and Claudia. Like just, and then it was ridiculous to me to watch, but I did feel like that was more in character for Diana though. I did feel that for Diana. I think that Diana, the moment she sat down to do this show, she was like, who the fuck are these bitches? These, like every last one of y'all are beneath me. I agree. Diana was like, first of all, none of y'all got my coin. What are we talking about here? I'm 49. I just had a baby. None of y'all hoes is having babies at 49. Y'all hoes can't do this. <laughs> I own three countries. <laughs> Not own. <laughs> I own three countries. Like, what do y'all bitches own? Mansions? I own three countries, okay? Like, my baby daddy is 15. None of y'all bitches... Y'all ain't got 15-year-old baby daddies. Like, Diana is like... She's diabolical. Like, I, I can't. I cannot send her as listen. I cannot, Diana. Please, like it's it's like and, and you know what's crazy? The first episode that she was there, I was like, okay, yes, make me feel poor, queen. Yes, because I do like to watch certain franchises for the coin. Like, yes, make me feel like I'm not doing shit with my life. But Diana makes you feel like you worthless. Like I'm like, okay, bitch, nah, this ain't it. Like now, nah, now nah, this ain't it right here. I I wanted to feel. uneducated and diana came back and was like well why don't you tell them how much money i've sent to haiti let me tell you something again garcelle is better than me that comment right there and carla i don't really have to i don't really have to dissect why that comment was trapped if that is the first thing you reach for to say well tell them tell them why i sent money tell them about how i sent money to the poorest country in the hemisphere i go through this a lot if I point out something that is wrong with our government or with our country, I get go back to your country very often. Well, bitch, I wouldn't be living here. I would love to be in my country, but because of capitalism, because of slavery, because of imperialism, because of white supremacy, you know why this country is where it's at. And even someone like Diana who talks about coming from poverty, when that's the first thing you reach for, to point out somebody's poverty, you haven't learned. You didn't have to because you're still white. You are still white. I don't care what I don't care what country you came from. I don't care what language you speak. You are still a white woman with blonde hair. And when you walk around, people are not going to see that you came from whatever. Let's unpack this. You're even educating me, which is, again, the beauty of this conversation. I never looked at it that way. So you're saying that Diana, who is from a poor country, who was proud to let the world know that she rose above it and became this multi-millionaire. So if mm -hmm. you are somebody who was born in a poor country, how dare you throw that back up in another woman's face as a clapback because she called you uneducated? And the reason why you're comfortable with doing that is because, like I said, you are white. And let's be very motherfucking clear. The way Diana got her riches, is not the same way that Garcelle got hers. Because see, Gar Diana, you married into yours. Garcelle did not. Drop the mic. That's very interesting. And to sort of go back into the sort of different treatment in the way the children are, are treated, Erica made a big deal 
about Garcelle's mm-hmm. book. So much so, she did a video of throwing it in the trash can, right? Yeah. And she said in a response to a fan on Twitter that Garcelle said something about Lisa Renna's adult child, her daughter, and how that was out of line. And everyone sort of rallied around her and said, like, yeah, that's true, right? So what's interesting is if you women felt that Garcelle mentioning Lisa Renna's adult daughter having an eating disorder, Garcelle suggested that maybe it's because she's watching her mother who's thin and maybe that did something to her desire to not want to eat, right? Yeah. Erica felt that was out of line. It's funny to you guys when Erica, that same woman who was on this pedestal, said get the fuck out of here to someone's non-adult child who's 14. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it's funny and it's comical. So we are seeing some different treatment in, in what they're doing. And that's the reason why it is my belief that I just don't think these women want Garcelle around them. I don't think they like her. And I do think you're right in the sense of, as a community, we're proud to see Garcelle. We root for her. And to see her bring on Cherie, I think this franchise is going to have a makeover. And in my opinion, I think Diana and Dorit are out. And I think Cherie is stepping in to hold the diamond so that they can really make sure that Garcelle, who's a formidable cast member, is not on an island. Yeah, Diana can go. Diana could go. It's just, I was expecting more from her. Like, the fabulousness. I was looking for fun, rich shade. Not, like, she is just unbelievably condescending. Like, it's like, damn, girl. But my thing with Garcelle, again, is I appreciate seeing her on this platform. I love, like, that she's herself. And what I love about this show, too, is they've been able to capture that Garcelle is somebody who's still working. She's going to to The Real, even though The Real is canceled now, but she's at The Real. She's writing books. She's doing Lifetime movies. And even though this looks like a resurgence, Garcelle has constantly been working. She may not be like Gabrielle Union or Viola Davis, but Garcelle keeps a job. So it's been good to see her do this. But um, I think it is time to move in some more Black women. I kind of feel like when I think about Garcelle, I kind of think about Ebony on Real Housewives of New York. And I really feel like she was not given a fair shot. She wasn't given the support. She wasn't given the space to be fun. And be funny. Because I I see that personality in her, especially like on socials. I follow her on socials. Love Ebony. She's so ridiculously smart. I mean, beautiful, gorgeous woman, great presence. But I feel like she wasn't given a a fair shot. So I do want to see them build something around Garcelle. I do. I agree with you. Do you think America is ready for a diverse Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? No. But I don't care. <laughs> no, but I don't care. We don't care what y'all, what America want. There are Black people in Beverly Hills. There are Asian people in Beverly Hills. There are Indian people in Beverly Hills. Like, they need to be represented too. And I'm sorry, but what exactly are these white women bringing? Like, you have Crystal over there. And even though Crystal, she has a lot of work to do. Crystal is married to the dude who co-created the Lion King. What are 
what are the other girls bringing? Like, come on. And Kyle, I feel like Kyle is someone who will never leave. And I don't, I don't feel she should. I want to, I would love to see Kathy come back though. But I mean, it's, it is, I don't care what America wants. It's time, especially in these socially revolutionary conscious times where we want to see people represented. So one thing I want my listeners to know about you is you are also an actress and you are starring, my love, in a scripted show, right? <laughs> that is on the All Black Network, correct? Yes. And it's a show called A La Carte. You are playing Misha Taylor, who is in a lesbian relationship with a woman named Nicole, who is played by one of my loves and fan favorite of the Real Housewives of Atlanta, Candy Burris. Candy Moneybag Burris, yes. But the show uh, it is executive produced by Megan Good. It was created by a Black woman, Brianna Hogan. And the storyline follows four friends who are living in Studio City, California. And they're just trying to figure life out. My character is, she's a teacher by day, very educated. But at night, you know, the freaks come out at night. And that is where she kind of lets her wig down and she's exploring herself sexually. What is it like playing opposite Candy? You know what's funny, though? Because I've known Candy for a couple years. Candy um, is the first person to put me on tour. So back in 2019, I had an EP called Moods of the Cancer. She put me on her dungeon tour. I sang on it, which was great. So we've been cool ever since. And so when I didn't know she was going to be my love interest until I got there that day. And when it was her, like, I could not stop laughing. I was so nervous. And this was my first acting job, which is crazy. Everybody keeps saying how great I did, but it was my first acting job. And when we were supposed to record our, we had a love scene, she had to calm me down because I could not stop laughing. Like, I just was like... <laughs> I don't know, like, I can't even fake it because it's like, it was this nervous laughter. I could not stop laughing. And then she was just nice. She just, she's like, girl, come on now. We got to, come on now. Like, she pulled me to the side. She's like, come on now. We got to get serious. We got to do this. She's like, let me know what you're comfortable with. So she's great. But most importantly, she's professional. She's professional. She takes what she does so serious. Like, I don't know how she does all these things at once and does them all so well. Um, but she's definitely someone who is chasing excellence constantly, constantly. And she's so sweet. She's so giving. Yeah. Like, you can call her anytime. She'll talk. She'll hang out with you. Like, I don't know. I've told her before. I'm like, are you, are you okay? Because I've met people who don't even have close to what Candy has. But they don't have that the character that she has, the generosity that she has. She's she's genuine. She's nice. She's kind. So I, I look forward to working with her again. They have not renewed us just yet, but you know, prayerfully they will because it was a pleasure working with her. I love hearing that. No, Candy's the best. She's the utmost professional. So recently, the BT Awards were on, and you are guys. You have to follow Jesse Wu on Twitter. You are truly one of the funniest people on Twitter. Your tweets are funny. It's to the point where I want to retweet Jesse tweets so bad, but because I get my own shade and because I get dragged anyway, I'm like, Jesse, I can't also add 
your dragness right. or my dragness. I just can't do it, right? right? But you live tweeted during the BET Awards, and Young Miami, a.k.a. Carisha, please, she was holding <laughs> a sign while P. Diddy was giving his acceptance speech because he won, like, yeah. the Icon Award or something. And Carisha, i.e. Young Miami, was holding a sign saying, Go, Poppy. And you mm-hmm. tweeted something along the lines of, Diddy thanked everyone in the world except the woman who's holding the sign. And then Carisha and JT both retweeted you, pretty much saying, bitch, this ain't what you want. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, it's hilarious because, I mean, the moment was so chaotic to me because that man really thanked everybody in his life, including Cassie. And you think everybody from, but except for this girl that's right in front of you, like, go poppy, go poppy, and you don't thank her? That's not weird? So I thought that was weird. And then I feel like I wasn't the only one who thought that. Everybody was tweeting that. Now, Carlos, I tweeted what I tweeted. I go on with my night. <laughs> I go on with my night. Uh, I go to bed. I wake up the next morning. My friend is like blowing up my phone. She's like, girl, girl, do you see what's going on? Shade room, everybody done posted my tweet. My tweet is everywhere. And then you you have JT saying something, paraphrasing, but she was like, you know, don't don't be acting like you it's not easy to uh identify you, uh I identify uh verify you, touch you, and then have you identify something like that. So when I saw that, that was clearly a threat. And what I did was I reached in my Nene bag with all her reactions. And she has this episode of Housewives where, remember that guy, he brought her something and he was like telling her. John. Yes. And then she was like, "Uh, okay, whatever that means. (laughs) (laughs) Things are getting weird. So this is is season four. Nene was dating a white man named John. John bought Nene a Rolex and Nene got the Rolex and said, uh, okay. Uh, okay. this is getting weird. So that was your response to JT. That's what I responded the next day. And everybody was pretty much like on my side with that. And I think that sometimes, and I've learned this, when somebody says something on social media that you don't like, your best bet is to not even engage because the tweet was there. It didn't go viral until they engaged with it. And when they engaged with it, it got picked up everywhere. I mean, I looked at E! News. It was on E! News. <laughs> like, like, it was everywhere. And it was because they engaged with it. And it's like, I, I try, I've i had to learn this too. Like, somebody will, will say something I don't like. I won't engage because, you know what, in the moment, you might be like, uh, in your feelings. But then it's like, actually, I didn't like what they said, but that shit was funny. Like, yeah, it's about me, but it was fucking funny. I know how to take a joke. You know what I mean? And so that was that. Where can the people follow you, find you, Jesse? You can find me on Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, the same. It's all the same on all platforms. T-H-E-J-E-S-S-I-E-W-O-O. V Jesse Wu on all social media platforms. Baby, that was a conversation for the books. I could not stop laughing at Jesse. I could not stop learning more from her. I'm so happy that I chose her to have this conversation with 
because guys, she even opened up my eyes to a lot of things that I didn't see. And that's the beauty of this podcast is the fact that I'm not a know-it-all. I don't know everything. So to have someone also educate me on things is the beautiful part of this conversation that I have with Jessie Wu. And I must say, we need to invite her back when we have more to talk about, more to dish, and when she meets the city girls. Yes! (laughs) Let us know, Jessie. Thoughts? Opinions? Reads about my conversation with Jessie Wu? Email me at realitywiththeking at stitcher.com or leave me a voicemail at 310-593-8188. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, engineering and music by Marcus Ham. More sauce.